Welcome, everybody, to the Extra Podcast. This is episode 292. I'm a new voice. My name's John. I'm one of the pastoral intern- interns here at Northview. It's good to be with you. Around the table, we have Jeff. Hello. Greg. It's, uh, yeah, I cut you it's off. Dr. Jeff for you. Okay, Dr. Jeff. <laughs> or Bucky Buck. What, your, Dr. Your Dr. J. Bucky Buck. Yep. Greg. Hi. And Andy. Andy Steiger here. Good to be with you all. Thanks for being here. Andy's wearing a toque inside. You look like a hip-hop artist. You, you know look what? like you could be the next usher at Northview. I chose not to shave my head today because I just couldn't bring myself to do it, looks, it. Can I see what it looks like? Yeah, hold on a second here. This is going to be good radio. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, out I of can control. totally see it. Why are you concerned about your head not being shaved? There's no, there's, like, there's just a little bit of bar- barely any little stubble. Can are I, you embarrassed by can that? I encourage no, I'm you, not embarrassed Let by me it. encourage you by telling you that that's not a big deal. That not one person on staff would say, hey, man, that's getting a little out of control. Thank, thanks, Greg. That actually really is affirming to yeah, me. Yeah, good. Well, that's great. Thanks, Andy, for not shaving your head and giving mm-hmm. us that glorious two minutes. Um, awesome. We're going to talk a little bit about Jeff's sermon from this last weekend. Which was awesome, by the way, Jeff. Well done, man. Playing, I, uh, playing hurt. Yeah. yeah. You yep. know what? Play hurt more often, man. It seems it, it goes well Do for you. Do you know, when you're on drugs, uh, you don't care. You're one of those guys who like you can have half a baby aspirin and you're you're done for the day. You know what? I I actually am. I took wow. uh, I I had to take Dayquil. That's the stuff. So first, if I take Nyquil, bad news. Well, on Sunday night, I was feeling so gross that I took Nyquil, which is a big choice for me because if I take Nyquil, it usually means that I'm going to sleep for the next 16 hours. Or if I'm awake during that time, I am useless. So yesterday, uh which Monday I, t- I took the NyQuil overnight, slept till nine in the morning. My day off is on, on Monday. I woke up and, uh, I had a shower and for the next like seven hours I was with my wife. We went down to Bellingham to Costco there. And I, I don't remember it. Most of it, to be honest, she, she was telling me halfway through, she was laughing at, at she said, man, you are far easier to get along with on NyQuil. Oh, we need to drug you up more. <laughs> So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, but I was on Dayquil, but Dayquil has that kind of effect on me a little bit too. Dayquil's, I don't know. So I had the only way I could keep my nose from running and not coughing and stuff is I had to dry the old nose out. And so I was on Dayquil and some nose spray and dude. It's been a tough winter uh, for you. Hey buddy. Just not with it. And he's so funny. It always happens over the weekends. You'd think that this would happen on a Monday and you'd be getting over it, but it doesn't. It doesn't. It always starts like on a Friday, hmm. and then it gets the worst. The worst is on Saturdays and Sundays. So yeah, it was not as much fun as I wanted it to be. But yeah, I was a total trooper playing hurt. Yeah, boy. Hey, good for you. So in Song of Solomon, chapter two, verse fifteen. It's in a Song an- of Solomon or Song of Songs. I don't know. I said Song of Solomon. Yeah. Do we get a vote right now? All in favor of Song and Sol- Song of Solomon, say yes. Yes. Wow. Out- okay. Wow. I'm not even going to vote yes because I don't See, know. See, in, bu- in my no, Bible, it's song, song of songs. songs. Song of Songs. But whatever. I don't really think it matters. Okay. But Solomon wrote it. So right. yes. He of many wives. Yes. And in this. He knew how to catch foxes. <laughs> particular passage, we have in different translations, we've got the man speaking versus the woman speaking and you preached it as the woman speaking song of songs 215 yes yes so if you look at the niv it will say that that those words are from the man 
But the ESV has them from the woman. The uh, the Net Bible, which by the way is one of the best translations of the Bible there is, you can go online use it. You, you like it? Hey? The New English Translation. I think it's fantastic because it's uh, it gives you the translation notes in it. But they do it as the as the man, or sorry, as the woman. The New Living Translation actually has it not as the man or the woman. They have it as the daughters of Jerusalem saying to the man and the woman something else. Because every once in a while in this song, you get the uh, the third party joining in the song. One of the challenges in interpretation of Song of Songs is that you have there's no like quotation marks around. You know, the the author didn't do it like a like a Shakespeare uh, play where they have the 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 first person you know the the title for the oh my goodness my brain is not working yeah do you quote. know what i'm talking about the name of the person and then followed by the it's not like hey solomon said this yeah so this is solomon's line and then this is the lady's line and stuff so you kind of have to figure out which which lines are whose by just sort of figuring it out so there's some debate about the different places and this is one of those places uh the most i mean historically it's been taken as a woman saying these words. So the NIV did, did make it a bit of a departure in kind of 1984 when they translated that. And there's some reasons for why they did that. It, it, you, can, you can read it that way and understand it that way. There's a whole lot of discussion about why, about, about what the foxes are and whether or not this is actually the, the you know, our, 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 what, it, what is she or he calling for them to do? So one of the viewpoints is, well, it's just a game, Right, he's calling her to have a play a game. If you take this as a man speaking, it's that he's calling her to play a game with him. So their love is going to be like a game, and fox catching was a game for these folks at this day. Right. My my problem is that I doesn't that doesn't make any sense of the fact that it says it's going to ru- he's going to ruin the vineyards. Right. Mm-hmm. So it just seems to me that that you're supposed to be stopping something that is ru- ruining the vineyard. And the vineyard is o- quite obviously a. A, a, a metaphor for their romantic relationship. Mm-hmm. So I, it seems to make the most sense to take it as the woman speaking and she's urging him to catch the dangers to their romantic love. Jeff, not a lot of people preach from the song of songs. <laughs> what, what made, what was the motivation for choosing a passage like this to include in the modern family series? Uh, well, I, th- you know, uh, Song of Songs is great because it's a, it's about romance, which is of course, the, I mean, I, I think I, I made mention of it in my sermon that we tend to think that romance is the the only people who have something to say about it are are um, the sex counselors of our day, right? And that the the Bible is so repressive and backward and stupid and only only after the sexual revolution of the 1960s have we actually figured out how this whole thing works and we need to forget the ages gone by and embrace the new day and I, I'll part of my reason for having Song of Songs at least something from it in, in this series was to show that actually the Bible has an awful lot to say about sex and sexuality has an awful lot to say about romance and even something as simple as that and it it yeah, I think we should turn to the scriptures to find our answers for these things as opposed to trying to turn to Dr. Phil or or Ellen DeGeneres or whoever it is these days. Let me ask you a question, though. Would you ever do, like, uh, just go through the entire yeah, book? I would. Yeah. I would. I think it's, you know, you, you have to be careful. And here's why. 
that the imagery that's used here is beautiful. And sometimes by preaching it, you end up removing, you end up removing the imagery, right? In order to make, make it make sense to people. So you're trying to explain the metaphors and stuff. And in so doing, you kind of ruin the metaphor. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the beauty of it is, there are sections in here where, where I mean, like when they end up consummating their relationship, I mean, there, there are, she's, she's, I mean, I use the language, right? She's urging him to come into her garden and eat of its choice fruits. And I mean, that's a way better phrase than what's commonly used in our culture mm-hmm. to describe the sexual act. And it, okay. So in order for me to, to explain that, I have to now say, well, what she really means here is, you know, and then I have to turn it into its basest. And that's kind of the beauty of it. So yes, we should preach it. Of course, all scripture is given by inspiration of God is profitable for reproof correction. So probably in this day and age, it would be helpful for us to, to preach or to teach stuff from song of songs. It's just that it's beautiful. It's a beautiful way of talking about sex and sexuality and romantic love. And it's, it's better than the way that our pornographic culture does. And my temptation sometimes for us as preachers, and I've heard sermon series on it, is to actually borrow modern language, which is so base and disgusting for some of these things, and ruin the flowery, beautiful metaphors that are actually used here. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't know. But I, I, I'd be happy to do a sermon series on it. Well, we had a recording error and lost some of the recording, but we're going to jump back in. Andy, you were talking about foxes and some of the things Jeff was talking about this weekend. Yeah, on the, the sermon, Jeff mentioned three foxes that need to be caught. And the first one is the fox of the perfect soulmate, which I have found in my years of ministry, particularly working with young adults, is that this is a major fox, if you will, that needs to get caught, not only pre marriage, but especially once you're married. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I think there's, I was trying to make that point that, uh, you know, it, it, it colors your expectations for what marriage is supposed to look like. And that was kind of my, my big point is that it was supposed to, it's easy. If you have a, if you if you marry your perfect soulmate, the marriage is easy. That love is easy. And, and that's the, per, the idea the, out know, there in the our person culture. is going to, you know, it's going to be easier than the person that you've been with now. Just think about all the romantic comedies hmm. when it comes to this, because what you've got is a bunch of, in those romantic comedies, somebody's always involved with someone else, right? And it's difficult on some level. And and then they meet the, the, the one, the person that they're supposed to be with. Dude, I can't remember the notebook story, but I, I want to think it's like this. No? Oh, yeah. Totally. There's a bunch of three, four dudes in a room. This Sorry, is not, man. Yeah. <laughs> I got no help here. Mul- Mulder, what do you got, man? Uh, sort of. Yeah. There's the, the lady, Rachel McAdams character is, they meet this, I can't remember exactly. She's dating some dude and I don't know, totally, I'm going to get totally murdered for this summary, but every woman who's listening to this right now is like, you better get this right. Yeah. I'm totally not. I'm going to butcher it. She is dating this other dude and Ryan Gosling's character is writing her all these letters and everything and she doesn't get them. And then they meet again and she's engaged to this yeah, other yeah. guy and then she leaves him for Ryan Gosling. Right. It's and but this is the kind of story that I mean Titanic was like that, you've got mm-hmm. male is like that. I mean it, it it's quite Notting Hill in some ways is like this. There's there there is this this one that you're supposed to be with. And when well, you, you meet them it you owe it to yourself to abandon everybody else because it love wants what it wants. 
you, you always often see this where they're always at the altar, right? And it, they're just about ready to say I do, but then yeah. the, the one races right. in, opens so, the doors. Well, I just saw that everything. one on Prison Break. <laughs> so, that same story. That was one of the episodes. Total, well, Jim and Pam in the office is the yeah. same story, right? These yeah. people are the one, they're the one for each other and it's easy. One of the things I appreciate about The Office though uh, is that when they, when they did, the, mm. they ended up having this couple get together they ended up actually developing a little bit of the story of this this couple who's now married, who get along with each other and, and love each other very much, but he ends up taking a job up in Philadelphia. Do you remember mm-hmm. in the, as the series went on? And it, their marriage gets strained, mm-hmm. right? Temptation comes their way and they have to say no. Like I, I appreciated the fact that there was a reality to what they brought to it. Mm-hmm. There was a movie years ago in the 1960s that I do not recommend you go and watch, Okay. But it, it had a lot of cultural significance at the time, and not so much now, but it did at the time. It's called The Graduate, right? Dustin Hoffman was in it. Uh, Simon and Garfunkel, hey, Mrs. Robinson. You know this? Okay, anyway, no, no. you guys know. No. Anyway, the, the the story is this typical, not typical. At the end of the movie, though, there is a, a scene where uh, he, he, Dustin Hoffman's character, is trying to break up a wedding. And the bride sees him and she realizes that he's, he's her true love. So she runs out from the altar on, on the guy and the movie ends with them in the back of a bus as they're, as they're riding away from the wedding Mm -hmm. and the, the filmmaker, he kept the cameras rolling like they were supposed to finish the movie there. And you know, they lived happily ever after kind of thing. But he decided to keep the cameras rolling while the two are sitting there. And the actors are, are getting kind of awkward because they don't there's no lines. They're just sitting kind of sitting there and they start looking out the window and looking and it, it sort of drags on for this long period of time. And it's awesome. It's a great ending because the point is, right, so now now you've got your soulmate, right? And now what? Yeah. Because now life happens. And the same problems that you had before are going to be the problems you have now because you go everywhere you are. And it's, I mean, it's a delightful kind of reality check after the end of this movie. Well, and the thing is, though, that you find in real life when you see this play out is is it's not before the altar, right? You know, you don't have these movie moments where somebody races in and says, don't marry them, you know. I'm the perfect one for you. What you find is they get married, things get tough in the marriage, right? You know, reality, like you're saying, sets in. And then they go on Facebook. (laughs) And then they go on Facebook. But it's at that point where they're thinking, there was that guy and he should have raced in and he should have stopped this, but he didn't. But now I found him and so Mm. now I need to make this right. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's what people think. And it ruins your expectations for marriage. It also causes some because It always makes you think, that there's somebody somebody else that things would be easier with. Mm. I got to tell you, you know, in your, in our marriages, we we need to burn the ships. Remember that 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 story about Cortez when he shows up yeah. on the in the New World, and they all some of the sailors want to go back. I don't know how true it is, but he he says to the sailors, "No, we're not going anywhere. Just I want you to burn the ships. Like we're here to stay." I, there is a sense in marriage that that's kind of the attitude that you have to have. That's, that's part of what it means when you make vows to each other is that you're burning the ships and you're saying, you know what? I love the old way that we did we did our vows, right? And in sickness and in health, hmm. in, in, in good times and in bad. 
uh, I'm going to love you. And, and I think that's the, you make this point, but there is the perfect soulmate. Like some people think that that yeah, person they, doesn't exist. They're just not perfect. Yeah. It, well, and, and you'll find out that it's the one that you've committed to. Right. You know, <laughs> and love then, the one you're with. That's right. And you right. find out you're right. They aren't, they aren't perfect, but that's what marriage is, right? Is it's yeah. two imperfect people coming together. Right. Choosing to love one another. And it's going to be hard because yeah. you're two sinners who are living in close proximity. And so you, you clash and that this is part of the reason I was trying to point out that, you know, that's why you can't let bitterness grow in your married relationship. You can't. So here's the fear that I, that I have and that I've seen with a lot of young people in our culture today. They'll hear a sermon like this and they'll go, oh, okay, I hear what you're saying. The perfect one's not out there. Marriage is tough. Therefore, I'm just going to avoid marriage. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's by the way, that's not going to happen. The vast, I, I know people say, we say that, but the vast majority of people are going to get married. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, it's, you don't have to get married. Being single is a very noble thing. It's great. And you can be single your whole life. We're actually going to preach on singleness in mm-hmm. a, a month. A couple but of weeks, do you yeah. think somebody, though, should choose singleness because marriage is tough? No. Yeah, well, no, they should well, choose singleness because I think, uh, well, if, if you're going to do it scripturally, you're going to, some people, a lot of people don't choose singleness. It, it's, it, I mean, they're, they're th- God's providence is such in their life that they are thrust into it. Um, but if you're going to choose singleness, I think that Paul's argument there is that you should choose it because you want to commit yourself to the Lord. And I think that's a very noble, it's a noble calling. I'm looking forward to talking this when we get this, when this one comes out, because I've often, you know, I, I got different pushbacks on the whole singleness thing, particularly when we look at Adam and Eve, how we were created, what we were created for, uh, procreation and, and the and the like. Uh I, I'm I'm interested to tease this one out with regards to singleness. I so here's I'm I'm gonna be preaching that one I think on in first Corinthians seven on, on singleness. I the one of the reasons why I'm looking forward to studying that passage more and, and thinking through how to preach it is that I actually think that what our church churches need is a better understanding of singleness as more than just the default of those who don't get married that that that's not the ideal human life should have included in that vision both those who are married and those who are single right. and one is not a uh, an unnecessary consequence of not being able to find someone so singleness so, is a gift to cherish not a burden to carry it, it there and i think there can be an intentionality behind singleness i think people likewise we should also have the intentionality about marriage and understanding why we do it and what it's for. And rather than just see it as the default thing that people do, because I know the Bible says not to have sex outside of marriage and I want to have sex. So I guess I should get married. That's probably also not a good enough reason to, to cherish marriage rather than, than singleness. So, I mean, maybe we can punt that conversation for later once, once we kind of develop it a little bit more, but I'm, I'm looking forward to preaching it because I think there is something to the fact that you, can be a fully functioning, faithfully following of Jesus person. Following of who? Of Jesus, yeah. who was, was he single? Yeah, I think so. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> Not Dan Brown says no. Oh, yeah. Remember, oh, right. Da Vinci Code and all that, he married some lady and went off to France. Yeah, that's but, right, I forgot uh, about that. France. Oh. But, uh, nice. but no, yeah, he was he was single. And that's that's actually one of the interesting things that we forget is that mm. the the one we follow, our Savior, was a single man. Yeah, this is going to be a good series, Modern Family. Yeah, 
I'm looking right. forward to this continuing on. Can I add one more Fox? Yeah, yeah, we need the caught, fourth. Actually, that should have been worked into all of them. We had a conversation a week ago, uh, not on the podcast, but we do a sermon review and preview stuff. And during our sermon preview, one of the things we were talking about was one of the interpretations of this passage is that uh, when when commentators are trying to identify the Fox mm. itself, there's some evidence to suggest that what what she the the woman in this passage is cl- calling for from Solomon in particular is to uh avoid his uh interest in other women cuz he's got lots of wives and so there's there's some historical like interpretation there and actually some links that people have put together that would argue that actually in, in the fox stuff probably does include her her saying, yeah, but you have all these other wives. You have to catch these foxes, these mm. dangers to our love, right? I mean, I'm, I'm not going to share you with all these others, which is a, an interesting interpretation. I certainly think that that can be certainly a fox in our culture, especially. And I mean, the presence of pornography and the, the draw of and the allure of others uh, on, on the married relationship is is. And the love relationship that you have with your spouse is, is a huge deal these days. And I know we t- a lot of men's ministry and stuff, that seems to be the case these days. All they ever talk about is, is porn, or at least that's the way it's seen. And yet at the same time, you kind of feel like in public places, even on our podcast and stuff, we don't ever really talk enough, I think, about about the dangers of it. Because quite honestly, it, I mean, our whole, our whole society is being... Um, pornographized. I don't know. It's not a word, right? But uh, yep. it, objectified. It's, it's just, it's, it's affecting everything. Mm. And the fact that somebody can go off and look at pornography all the time really does. It has huge effects on people's romantic relationship, especially right. and expectations for what that romantic relationship should look like. Well, and even in our culture, how we've, we've transitioned from talking about pornography to pornos, to porn, and now porn is just a, a word you use to talk about something that's like super tempting, like food porn. Yeah. I'm going to post put a post on Facebook of like, here's some word porn for you, which is like, we've totally changed this word to, to make it not just like a, like a taboo thing, but it's, it's something to be desired. Yeah. Well, it, we're definitely taking the stigma out of it. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, interestingly enough, little little uh, plug here for the Apologetics Canada Conference. Uh, we're going to be talking mm-hmm. on different types of dehumanization, and one of those is exactly what you said, Greg. That slide from pornography to porno to porn, mm-hmm. right? And then the the objectification of women. And in fact, there was an article recently about how young boys, you know, have skipped from you know kissing at dating yeah. to straight to sex and dating. Uh, and, and you see this idea, I even think personally, I think it has a lot to do with the rape culture that's going on in yeah. our culture as well. And that I believe the latest stats were one in three of women that head off to university will be assaulted at some level, uh, sexually. And to that's me, it's like an epidemic. That's, that's exactly, that's, that's horrible. That's not just, hor- I mean, talk about a social ill that should be, mm. that should be, uh, de- de- I mean, just spoken from the treetops about how how horrible it is. It's just one crazy. in three, and it what probably fits under an umbrella of boys will be boys. Well, that's the problem, isn't it? Well, when you have a porn culture, that well, that's has, the thing though is that the, it's yeah, as deep as it is. The porn pornography, by its very nature, dehumanizes the the women involved in it. Right? I mean, it, even the the way that they do, even even the way that they do 
oftentimes the airbrushing and the, all of that sort of stuff, it ends up creating them into plastic playthings. And the way that a lot of the, a lot of the stuff is done treats them as animalistic. I mean, I, I've read some articles about even the poses and other things like that, just that make a, them look animalistic and base and degrading at every point. So, so it is a man, a man who is using that image uh, for his own gratification is not treating that person as an actual person. That's they're right. treating it as, as an instrument to be used. And that kind of thinking, I think that's what you're saying, Andy, that kind of thinking bleeds over into regular life. I've counseled young men does. who have that attitude. Even when they get married, they get frustrated even with their spouse, their early spouse, because they're like, well, you know, I'm going to be honest, you know, our sexual life is not like I expected it to be. I expected it to be a lot more like rambunctious and stuff. And I, I've asked them, well, what, where'd you get that idea from? <laughs> and the, you know, in quiet rooms, it's like, well, actually, yeah. I, I, a lot of things I've watched before yeah. and so and, and even, is, in, even in the movies right, right you don't well, need the hardcore right. porn but this is i mean porn some of the i read an article recently that said some some several of the porn sites are starting starting like uh lessons on how one uh, <laughs> that, that this is this this is the way our we should relate to one another sexually and that the dehumanization mm. that is part of that whole thing mm. That's what frightens me, and that's what drives the rape, rape culture, at least a significant aspect of it drives the, drives the rape culture, the hookup culture, all of that stuff. It just it, – and, and it, it is killing our married relationships. It's killing the expectations we have for our married relationships, and I, I, I get very concerned for the future. There's a great documentary on this, by the way, called uh, Over 18, uh, if you get a chance to, to take a look at that. Uh, one of the things, too, that uh, this is just maybe a side, I don't know, but the thing that, that I find quite frightening about it or that I think is very interesting speaking to just the human depravity is that in this pornography, you have people that that, that it speaks to the, the humans like this. We that there is a base level in humanity that enjoys the dehumanization of another individual of objectifying a human being to their pleasure. Yeah which I think really speaks to how deep sin runs in us with, with marring the image of God in another human being. Right. Well, that's that one of the, one of the uh, not solutions, but one of the, the, the ways that you can fight pornography in your life is to humanize the objects, mm-hmm. to, to realize that they're someone's daughter, right? Or son, or uh, they're a person who has hopes and dreams and who has been thrust perhaps into the circumstances that they've been thrust into, mm. maybe either against their will or, or maybe it is, is their will to do it, but because of the financial challenges that they faced, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's a, to put in a perspective of to say it's, it's hard to sit it in a service listening to the guy from IJM talk about the horrors of sex slavery across the world and then go home that night and watch porn and have no disconnect right to not to not realize that actually by me participating in this i am i am participating in in a in an industry that mm-hmm. preys on people for money yeah and, and for I, financial purposes i just want to give a, a a shout out there to fathers here one of the things you need to understand if you're raising sons and i'm one of those i have two little boys 
Uh, I heard that the age where porn is first introduced to young boys is eight years old. It's like eight to 11 or so. It's yeah. It's getting younger and younger. Because and I had people push back on me because I, I have, we have filters in our house, right? Yeah. Uh, and, the, and, the, and I was getting pushback. You know, like, you know, why would you do that? I'm like, why would you not do that? Yeah. Mm. You know, and they can mm. be a great tool. Some of the filters can be a great tool. It's also, I mean, it's hard in the present world because of so much internet capable stuff that you can, even there, we have to be able to teach our children and ourselves mm. how, how we can navigate a world with so much temptation. We live in a world, let's just be honest, that is different than any that has come before us when it comes to sexual temptation. And it's changing daily. And, and I, mm. I think we should be honest and say the Lord knows the stuff of which we're made. And so I think he has a lot of grace on us in this day for these things. And yet at the same time, uh, you know, uh, let's, let's fight the good fight when it comes to that. There are a lot of people who are listening out, out, you know, who are listening to us right now who are struggling with something like pornography or sexual sin of some variety. And you need to know that, that God is a gracious God who welcomes home repentant sinners over and over and Mm. over and over and over again. And so we need to glory in the gospel because of that, but then we also need to, to take up arms against this oppressor, right? Amen. Mm. Thanks, guys. Yeah, for that discussion. There's a lot of good things there. Um, we're gonna wrap it up for this week. If you have any questions, uh, you can email those to extra at northview.org. I think we should mention this is John's first time on the podcast. First time hosting. Yep. Can we just can we just give him a hand? Well, like, they're, they're not going to clap. Oh, I'm not going to hear them. <laughs> um, <laughs> Don't John, worry, John. They're not. John's they're not gonna, clapping. John's oh, going to be back. Good. In the future, I totally thrust John into this position. Actually, two minutes before we started to record. It's true. So, John, you're hosting this week. Have fun. That's still two minutes, though. So, so that's a solid. Hey, I'm not Superman. That's I mean, twenty <laughs> seconds. Uh, I think especially, like we said last week, if you have questions that are good follow-up from uh, the weekend sermon that you heard, uh, we will look at the questions. We have people that look through them for us early in um, in the week on, on the Monday. So if you hear it, something from the sermon you want to talk about, just email extra at northy.org, even when you're finished the service, and say, hey, I'd like some follow-up on this point that was made. That would be a real help for us. Okay, thanks. See you in the church on weekend. That's what I said. Sure, you should just what I say. See you at church on the weekend. Is that? I think that's what I was supposed to say. Was it? Well, that's what I have said in the past when I host. Yeah. Well, it didn't come out. Mulder needs a catchphrase. I need a sign off. Mulder's catchphrase should be wiggity whack. Wiggity 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 whack. <laughs>